Hi, you're listening to the Eagle's Eye podcast and my name is David Sokal and this is episode 52 and we're going to be discussing Janine and journalism. Welcome back indeed to the Eagle's Eye podcast and uh, as I mentioned, this is episode 52 And we will be looking at the complex issue of Israel forces, the Israeli defence forces, entering into uh, what the world would call the occupied territories, uh, entering into Janine. And uh, this is actually part of my CFI Watching Over Zion News Report, which you can get on email, direct to your email inbox. Uh, you just need to email me at david at cfi.org.uk and subscribe to that for free. But this is an issue which obviously has been over all the, the, the uh, Western media and uh, a lot of the Western media have really slammed this. And uh, I really felt in my heart that... Um, I needed to uh, focus in on this and actually just try and get the, 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 this whole story out there so that the facts are known. And I've actually entitled this Janine and Journalism Where Facts and Context Evaporate. So basically on July the 3rd, 2023, the Israel Defence Force launched what it described as a contained and precise operation. And this was to foil very active terrorist activity in the Janine area, which consisted of surprise attacks on terrorist infrastructure in what the world calls the misnamed and mismanaged West Bank city of Janine. More on the actual Uh, city of Janine very shortly. This is an area that has been dubbed the Arab-Palestinian terror capital. In total, the operation saw approximately 2,000 soldiers deployed as well as drones which were used to carry out precision strikes designed to clear a path for forces on the ground. At the time of writing, 18 Arab Palestinians, all of which were known active Islamic terrorists, were killed in the raid. And predictively and and sadly depressingly, uh, various groups such as Honest Reporting were forced to call out many of the international media outlets where their coverage of this Janine raid fell very short of the truth and where the context of the situation was nothing short of blatant lies. Sky News, the BBC, the Washington Post, CNN, The Guardian and many other Western media failed to highlight the nature and scope of the Israeli operation in Janine in their headlines. Variously referring to it as a series of strikes, an assault, a deadly raid, while 
The fact that Janine is a hotbed for terrorist activity was noted in just one headline by the Associated Press, which described Janine as a militant stronghold. Two very low points came from The Guardian and the BBC. And, you know, I've been writing uh, the Watching Over Zion news report since 2001 now, which is 22 years. Uh, It used to be written every week, but uh, I only write a a full edition uh, once a month now, and I do a light bite also once a month due to the uh, heavy load of other work that I do with Christian Friends of Israel. But um, I always... (laughs) I always thought that uh, journalism was about reporting the facts. But it appears that today, facts and context don't matter. Um, One of the people, one of the low points, was um, a cartoon in The Guardian, which was uh, put in by Steve Bell, And it was a very offensive cartoon which showed Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, riding into Janine on a bulldozer with the words, Relax, it's only a major military operation. In response, Israeli diplomat Ola Goldschmidt tweeted, The facts are that Janine has become a terror hub from which this year alone 50 Terrorists have carried out attacks against Israeli civilians. The terrorists in Janine are hiding behind the Palestinian population along with United Nations infrastructures, schools and mosques. Ignoring facts doesn't change reality. And when Ali uh, came out with these words, it, these, it really, really spoke to me. Ignoring the facts doesn't change reality. Whatever the Western media are proclaiming, the fact is it doesn't change the reality on the ground. And Steve Bell's crass cartoon gave readers the false impression that Israel has indiscriminately targeted Palestinians in Janine as opposed to launching a counter-terrorism operation designed to destroying infrastructure and apprehending armed suspects. However, the reporting got much worse. The BBC News made a shocking claim that the Israeli forces are happy to kill children. This was actually uh, a statement in an interview on the BBC as former uh, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett was being interviewed regarding the, uh, the, 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 the issues in Janine. And you can hear the Prime Minister uh, Bennett speaking now with that question to the BBC. Well, we're joined now by the former Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett from Jerusalem. Good evening and thank you for joining us. Good to be here, I'm joining. First of all, the Israeli military are calling this a military operation, but we now know that young people are being killed, four of them under 18. Is that really what the military set out to do, to kill people between the ages of 16 and 18? Quite the contrary. Actually, all 11 uh, people dead there are militants. Uh, The fact that there's young uh, terrorists that uh, decide to hold arms 
is their responsibility. Look, at the end of the day, uh, over the past year or so, we've had over 50 Israelis murdered uh, in many cases by terrorists that were sent from Janin camp, armed, trained, and sent to kill and murder Israelis in Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, and across Israel. And Janin has become an epicenter of terror. So we, unfortunately, uh, had to enter the, this uh, hornet's nest of terror and uh, neutralize the, the terror. Otherwise, they're going to continue killing us. So, in fact, all the Palestinians that were uh, killed are terrorists in this case. Terrorists, but children. The Israeli forces are happy to kill children. You know, it's quite remarkable that you'd say that because they're killing us. Now, if there's a 17-year-old uh, uh, Palestinian that's shooting at your family, Anjana, what, what is he? Under your definition, you are calling them terrorists. The UN are calling them no, terrorists. No, I'm, I'm actually asking you, what would you call a 17-year-old person with a rifle shooting at your family and murdering your own family? How would you define that person? We're not talking about that. The UN That's has exactly defined what them we're as about. children. The UN has defined them as children. And we know that four people between the ages of 16 and 18 have been killed in this targeted attack. Let's not forget it's a targeted attack. The Israeli forces yes, are going but, but in looking these are for these people. I, I, I'm missing something. You know, a 17-year-old terrorist can murder civilians. We've had there's a fundamental difference between what they're doing, which is explicitly and deliberately targeting civilians, and what we're doing, which is targeting terrorists. That's exactly the opposite. We're doing the right thing. They're killing civilians, and the fact that you're creating this moral equivalent, or even worse. Uh, I think it's unacceptable. It was certainly a shocking claim um, by the, the, the BBC um, news correspondent. But, you know, the question is, why? Why would the BBC ask such questions? And why is it that the BBC and other Western media sources don't ask the questions such as, why are the Palestinian authorities Mahmoud Abbas why is Abbas encouraging, inciting and weaponising a generation of Arab Palestinian children? You never hear the BBC accuse uh, Mahmoud Abbas as to why they haven't given up the hate uh, education that, that, that they do in the schools, in the Palestinian schools, of how they teach them to uh, become terrorists. So, with all this in mind, what is the truth and the context behind what we're witnessing in Janine? Well, I always think it's good to, to look back in history and, and, and get look at it from, a, from the, a, a, the context, from the historical point, build on that and, and then, you know, get to what is happening today. So basically, Janine is identified with the biblical uh, town of En-Ganim which actually means the spring of gardens. Sadly, that's not what Janine looks like today. It, it seems to be producing anything but uh, nice gardens. But Janine today is an Arab town in Samaria, situated in the southern corner of the Jezreel Valley, near the junction of roads running to Haifa, Afullah and Nazareth, and Nablus, which of course was Shechem. Uh, in scriptures. 
Before 1948 and again in 1967, the two towns' position uh, at a, an important crossroads contributed to its development. And it also made it an important base for the Turco-German forces in World War I until the British Army captured Janine in September uh, 1918. In the 1936-39 Arab riots, Janine lay at the apex of the aggressive Arab triangle, the other two corners being uh, Tulkam and Nablus, from which attacks against Jewish villages in the Jezreel Valley were launched. In the Israeli War of Independence, the Arab army set out from Janine to attack Mishma Ha'amek in an effort to break through to Haifa. However, this was driven back. But after Jordan illegally annexed parts of Judea and Samaria, and during the Six-Day War in 1967, Janine constituted a forward Jordanian position. However, it fell after Israeli after Israelis entered uh, from the Dutan Valley to its rear and overcame the Jordanian counterattack. This is all happening on June the 6th, 1967. Janine was then transferred to the jurisdiction of the Palestinian Authority following the 1995 Taba agreements. During the Alaska Intifada, Janine was and has remained a hotbed of Islamic terrorist activity and often targeted by Israeli forces. If you've ever watched the programme on Netflix called Fowder, uh, this is a, a, um, a regular feature of that uh, series, which tries to bring balance uh, of the, the truth between what is going on between the Arabs and the Israelis. In 2021... The population of Janine numbered somewhere in the region of 332,000 inhabitants. However, the accuracy of this Arab-Palestinian figure is questionable. Now, traditionally, and this is where we get to the crux of what, what it's all about today, what's happening today. Traditionally, Iran's anti-Israel influence was contained to Hamas-controlled Gaza, Hezbollah's dominated southern Lebanon and Assad's Syria. However, beginning in mid-2021, Tehran began to focus its efforts on influencing the activities of the so-called West Bank-based Arab-Palestinian terror groups, including Islamic Jihad, Hamas and the Alaska Martyrs Brigade. And by the way, just so that you're clear on this, is... Islamic Jihad, Hamas, and the Alaska Brigade, uh, the Alaska Martyrs Brigade, the three separate uh, Islamic terrorist groups, are all recognised as terrorist groups by the United Kingdom. While Iran has had a declared interest in influencing what happens in the alleged West Bank, so far they haven't got that too involved uh, they've been involved in in many ways uh, right the way back to 2014 there's there's been several uh, attempts by uh, iran 
to, to change it and, and to influence the West Bank. But it's only been in the last few years. Why is this? Well, firstly, Tehran sees a, a, a weakened Palestinian authority of which the Iranian leaders feel has left a power vacuum that Iran is willing to fill. And secondly, the desire to open a fourth front against Israel in what has be, been described as Iran's pincer war. Now, this is so important for us to grasp. By expanding its influence within the region, Iran could successfully coordinate a multi-front attack against the Jewish state. And when I say the Jewish state of Israel, don't forget there are over 2 million Arabs living, happily living in, the, in, in Israel, in the Jewish state. So by expanding its influence within the region, Iran could successfully coordinate a multi-front attack against the Jewish state from Gaza in the southwest, from Lebanon in the north, using obviously Hezbollah, and from Syria in the northeast, along with the West Bank, or otherwise what it should be called, Judea and Samaria, which is actually the heartland of Israel. And there's another interesting point of view. Uh, I don't want to go on, on to this too long, because I don't want this, this podcast to be too long. But if you think of, if you look at the area of Israel that the world calls the West Bank, or what should be called Judea and Samaria, this is actually the heartland of Israel. So if you think of Israel as being the man that he originally was, remember in the scriptures, in Genesis, God uh, fought, <laughs> he had this wrestling match with Jacob, and in the end, um, the Lord changed Jacob's name, and he changed it to Israel, okay? So Israel was originally a man. Right. If you were to look at that man, or if you were to look at any man or woman, if you took out the heart and the lungs, would that man or woman live? Well, the answer is clearly no. Well, that is what you're looking at with Judea and Samaria, or what the world calls the West Bank. It is the heart and it is the lungs of the nation of Israel. Have you ever wondered why the enemy is so interested in trying to rip out that part of Israel? So by expanding its influence within the region, Iran could successfully coordinate a multi-front attack against the Jewish state from Gaza in the southwest, as I've mentioned, Lebanon in the north, Syria in the northeast, and of course, Judea and Samaria itself. And as an example of this has already been seen in April 2023, when within the span of a week, rockets were fired at Israel from Gaza and from Lebanon and from Syria, while a major Hamas terror attack occurred in northern Samaria. This multi-front war is essential for Iran to attain its goal of 
destabilising Israel and, of course, with the ultimate plan of destruction of the Jewish state. You know, in many ways, when you see boycotts, divestment and sanction groups, or the BDS as we call it, they demand vocally in the streets uh, that uh, basically Israel would be removed. And, and, And the song that they sing is this. They say, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And they keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. Now, let's just think about those words. From the river, what, what is the river that they're talking about here? Well, actually, it's the River Jordan, okay? So, from the river to the sea, what is the sea? It's the Mediterranean Sea. Palestine will be free. What are they meaning? They are meaning that Israel will be no more. So, what the BDS are demanding vocally, Iran is attempting to use all its proxies in an attempt to physically annihilate Israel. Therefore, what we have witnessed in recent days in Janine is Israel's attempt to fight against Islamic Jihad in Janine. Sadly, this is only another attempt in this battle in Israel's ongoing effort to stem the growing threat of Iran-backed Arab-Palestinian terror groups in the West Bank. And another question has to be asked, why? Why now? And why did Israel appear to go into this with more force than usual? Well, again, the answer is very clear. If only... We looked at the context and the facts that are there for everybody to to see if only they would choose to, to read them and understand them. The reason is very, very clear. This Israeli operation came within days after an announcement by Islamic Jihad's chief that the Arab Palestinian terror group was expanding its presence in the so called West Bank with the support of Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. The connection between the Islamic Republic and the rise in Israeli-Palestinian violence has never been clearer. Yet while Tehran's involvement in the West Bank's violence is is vital to understanding the nature and scope of Israel's counter-terrorism activities, the general public, which sadly will include many within the worldwide church, have become totally unaware of this crucial context, simply due to it largely being overlooked by the international media. And this is, of course, the same media who were highly critical of Syria's Bashar al-Assad as he waged civil war on his own people these past 12 years, and I've been reporting on what was going on over those 12 years, and it's been grim. It's been awful to see how uh, Assad's regime has tortured, murdered, killed uh, uh, the Syrian um, citizens. And rightly so, the British media, the Western media, condemned those attacks. So how is it 
that the BBC and CNN and all these other Western medias can condemn uh, Syria's Bashar al-Assad and yet not see the, the, the truth regarding the situation in Janine. And, of course, this is the same media who rightly condemn Putin's war against the Ukraine. Here is the truth about Janine. This is just a short clip, two minutes long, from the ILTV Israel News. And it really does tell you, tell, tell the story as it is. There has been so much misinformation regarding the IDF counter-terror operation in Janine, and it's important to set the facts straight. And so we're here to break it down for you. One of the most basic and common questions being asked is why did Israel launch an attack on Jenin? Well, first of all, Israel did not attack Jenin or Palestinian civilians. But what we saw these past two days was a counter-terror operation targeting terrorists and terrorist facilities. Jenin, by the way, is not a refugee camp, but a bustling city with some 15,000 residents. It's a densely populated area, and this is precisely why in recent months, terrorists, specifically Palestinian Islamic Jihad, backed by the Iranian regime, has infiltrated the city and set up its terror operations there, hiding near or even inside schools, hospitals, and mosques. In recent months, over 50 terror attacks against Israeli men, women, and children have been launched from Jenin. Take a look at this video. It shows the IDF uncovering a massive stash of explosives and weapons inside a mosque, a house of worship, that was intended for use against Israeli civilians. And here is another video showing that the terrorists have even planted improvised explosive devices, or IEDs, on the roads in Jenin. And it's important to note that this endangers not only Israeli civilians, but also Palestinian civilians as well. And this is exactly why the IDF conducted this operation, to root out terrorism against Israel. Another claim being made is that Israel is killing innocent Palestinians and Palestinian children. This is a lie. As the operation comes to a close, we now know that 18 Palestinians were killed, all of them known terrorists. And yes, among them were terrorists under the age of 18 years old, recruited by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad as children and given weapons and masks and urged to go out and kill Israelis. Where is the global outcry over this horrific use of children? The simple truth is that this operation was conducted by Israel to root out terrorism inside Jenin. It was an operation conducted to defend Israel and to defend Israeli civilians and Palestinian civilians alike. So to wrap up this um, Eagle's Eye podcast, um, I just want to make it clear. The BBC, Sky News, The Guardian, etc., etc. You know, I'm, I'm picking on those three groups, but basically all the American press, there are so many other um, Western medias that have been, basically, sadly, they've all fallen short, well short, of their duty to report the full unbiased fact. And and this was clear when it aired footage from the Palestinian Prime Minister who claimed that Israel were trying to erase the Janine refugee camp completely. And as you've just heard there on that news clip, Janine is not a, a, a refugee 
Palestinian refugee camp. It, it, it's a non. It's a city. It's a major city. And uh, if you were to, to to see the shopping malls that have been uh, created there, if you were to see the the expensive four by four vehicles that are run around that area, uh, and and you know I'm not begrudging the Arabs having these things. There's a wonderful picture, and I um, I shared it in my watching over Zion um, news report in in this particular article, and it shows you a lot of teenagers um, sat in a coffee bar. Uh, with Janine on the outside, and they were looking out onto it on on all modern stools, drinking coffee. Why shouldn't they? No problem with that. But you know, let's call it what it is, and not what it what it isn't. It's a city. It's a popular city. It's a big city for the for the for the, for the uh, Arab people. And do the do we want them to live in peace? Of course we do. But you know, let's just cast our minds back to what happened in London with the terrorist attacks recently. What happened when the, 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 the British um, buses got blew up by Islamic terror attacks? What happened in Manchester when the uh, concert was um, stopped and, 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 it, and, and there was a, uh, an Islamic terrorist attack blew himself up there? These things shook Britain. Now, imagine if these things happened on a daily basis. And that's the issue with Janine. It is a hotbed for Islamic terrorism. Would you want that on your doorstep? Would you want that living in the area where you lived? And Israel don't want it either because they've lost far too many of their uh, citizens. So we really do need to um, pray that mindsets would be changed and somehow that we would pray for true peace in this very difficult situation. I want to close with these words and uh, this was written uh, by uh, Chris Wickland. Uh, he's a pastor that uh, I know and uh, he, it was what he felt was a word from the Lord uh, based on uh, Ezekiel chapter 7 and verse 11. And in Ezekiel seven eleven, uh, it uses the word violence. Now, did you know that violence is what Hamas actually means? So he writes, Jerusalem or Jerusalem. Ezekiel seven eleven, violence, Hamas, has grown into a rod of wickedness. None of them shall remain. Nothing of their crowds, nothing of their wealth, there is nothing of importance in them. O Israel, my daughter, my Zion, at this time you sit alone like a shelter in a vineyard. The nations gather round you and conspire against you. Acts of violence, Hamas, are brought against you from the sky and the airwaves. When you suffer, you sit alone in silent patience with no one to help you, none to defend your cause. Yet I am your Adonai. I am the Lord. I am merciful and I will not reject you, O my people.
I take no pleasure in causing you grief or pain. I am your shield and your very great reward. And those words where he's, he, he, he's written, I am, it's all in capital letters. And that means it's, it's God saying his name, Yahweh, yod heh vav heh, I am your, sh- your shield and your very great reward. And Chris Wickland goes on, he says, I know, Israel, that you have become tired. You have become weary. You have become as one who walks around the same mountain year on year. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yet shalom seems to evade the city of peace. Like an old garment, you have become tired and stretched thin. Let me comfort you, O Jerusalem. You are the city of Ariel, that means lion. I will bring back that which I lost to you, that which your heart desires every day. I will return that which I took from you, my people. I will give you back your heart, that you may stand strong until the end. In this hour, I want to show favour and compassion to you. The enemy has come like a flood to you, but I will raise up my standard against violence, Hamas, in these days. You will no longer sit as a shack in a field of cucumbers. Watch, my people. I will raise up nations who will stand up for you, who will defend your cause. I will even cause some who are your enemies to be your allies in the days ahead. I will raise up sheep nations that will stand alongside you, my Ariel. The land of three lions will come to your aid soon with strength and military power. When they do, they will stand shoulder to shoulder with others whom I will raise to shield you from violence, shield you from Hamas. You are my suffering servant, and much pain lies ahead. But the days of peace, from the city of peace, are coming when I shall rule and reign as your Adonai from Mount Zion, and my glory shall cover the earth as the waters. Now, obviously, with every word, uh, with every prophetic word, we have to test them out. But as I read what uh, Chris Wickland had stated there, it really spoke volumes. And, you know, in many ways, and I'm closing now, in many ways, that is what Christian Friends of Israel have been doing since 1985. We've been building bridges. We've loved, had compassion, and allowed the Lord to use us in amazing ways. And, you know, we don't just bless the Jewish people of the land, but obviously that's our main calling, but we bless the Arabs too. And one of the things that really spoke to me in in, in that uh, that prophetic word 
was this, the fact that God will use people. He will even cause some who are your enemies to be your allies in the days of head. I remember Derek White, the founder of Christian Friends of Israel UK, once stating that if only we could pray that the Arab Palestinians would hear the gospel, the true gospel, and that thousands and thousands of them would be saved, what better way would there be for them to bless the people of Israel? Let that be an area that you pray into. And please pray, Shalu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem and not just Jerusalem, the whole nation of Israel. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and may his deep shalom be with you. <laughs>